Adding the choice of a crispy chicken BLT to Wendy's 4 for 4 is the biggest thing since rappers trying to sing. I got me out and I sound like a robot. But do you like the sound of this? Wendy's 4 for 4 now comes with a choice of a junior bacon cheeseburger or a crispy chicken BLT. From Detroit to Macon, I keep it crisp like bacon. Both are topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon and come with four nuggets, fries, and a Coke for just four bucks. Oh, yeah. At participating Wendy's for a limited time, meal includes small fries and a drink. Not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Hello again, everyone. I'm Joe Longinusa, welcoming you to another edition of Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, the show where industry leaders, golf professionals, and legends all come and discuss the great game we love so much. So without further ado, let's turn it over to our host to tell us who's next on the tee. Chris, take it away. Hey, thank you, Joe. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining me again this morning on Next on the T. I am your host, Chris Mascaro, and today I've got three wonderful guests that I can't wait to talk with and share with you this morning. So sit back, relax, let us take your mind off everything else going on in your life for the next hour or so. First up with me this morning is going to be LPGA Pro Top 50 instructor and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller. Cindy was an All-American at the University of Miami and helped them win back-to-back national championships back in the late 1970s. She played on the LPGA Tour for a few years before marrying her PGA Tour Pro husband Alan Miller and the four of them or the two of them have played on all four major tours. So We'll be sure to talk about that, and Cindy has achieved so many great things both on and off the golf course that I can't wait to talk to her about all of it, and she's going to be here with me in just a few minutes. Following Cindy, we're going to get our monthly visit from Sports One Marketing CEO and best-selling author David Meltzer. So we'll get David's thoughts on the the 2015 golf season, plus, plus what he's looking forward to in 2016. We'll also talk about how fragile an athlete's brand is these days with so much going on with social media. You know, what do guys do when they press send and later perhaps wish they hadn't. David's going to join us to talk about that in more about 25 minutes from now. And then we're going to wrap up the show with our good friend and 2003 PGA champion, Sean McKeel. We're going to get an update on what's next for Sean. Plus, he's going to be here answering more of your questions when he joins me about 35 minutes from now. So it's going to be another great show today. I'm so glad that you're here to take the journey with me. Next on the T is brought to you today by our friends over at Seymour Putters. Let's hear a word from our friends over there. Golfers, has this happened to you? Great drive. Perfect second shot on the green. Only the three or even four putt. Shaking your head all the way back to the cart. I have good news. Help is on the way with the Seymour Putter. The Seymour Putter Company patented RST technology sets up the putter perfectly every time using a visible gun sight on the top line. Genius! It's like locking radar onto the target, in this case, the golf hole, putting the golfer in perfect position to make a reliable and consistent stroke. The 1999 U.S. Open, 2007 Masters, and 2015 British Open champions all used, you guessed it, the Seymour Putter. So if you're ready to make more putts, take strokes off your game, log on to Seymour.com. That's S-E-E-M-O-R-E.com, and put a Seymour putter in your bag today. Yeah, like Joe said, check out the rifle scope technology that's helped win out three majors in 36 tour events and counting. 
It's going to help you make more putts. I know it's helping me. Check them out online at Seymour. That's S-E-E-M-O-R-E.com and get one in your bag. You're going to be very glad you did. We are also sponsored by the French Lick Resort up in French Lick, Indiana. Folks, you want to talk about a spectacular resort to both play golf and just relax and enjoy yourself. Well, you're not going to find a better place anywhere on the planet than the French Lick Resort. Go to FrenchLick.com and see for yourself. I had the privilege of taking my family there back in June, and we are already looking forward to getting back there as quickly as possible. The resort is historic and beautiful. It's got you know wonderful gardens in the back and a huge rocking chair porch along the front. And the golf, my friends, oh my goodness, the golf. The Pete Dye course there is kept in championship condition year-round, and they could be ready to host a major championship at a moment's notice. They hosted the Senior PGA Championship earlier this year and the LPGA Legends Championship of, you know, a couple months ago. So if you've always wondered what it would be like to play in major championship conditions, you can do it there at the Pete Dye course. They also have the Donald Ross Design Course, which is also fantastic. It's the site of Walter Hagen's PGA Championship victory back in 1924. They've also got the Valley Lynx Course on the property that dates back to 1907. So the French Lick Resort needs to be on your list of places to stay and play. And oh, by the way, they've got a casino right there on the property as well. For more information and to book your stay, go to FrenchLick.com. I also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Allen Edmonds, maker of top-quality made-in-the-USA shoes. Folks, the shoes of great leaders from the Oval Office to corner offices, the stage and screen and promising cubicles all around the country are what, you know, a part of what make people successful. The right footwear is important on the carpets and the hardwood floors of our global economy. Get it right with made in the USA quality and value from Allen Edmonds. Allen Edmonds is an American original. They've been making shoes right here in the United States in Wisconsin since 1922. Also, check out the Rediscover America sale event going on right now through Columbus Day. They have 13 styles of their shoes and all of their colors on sale for over $100 off. Some of their leather and business duffels and briefcases are 30% off. All of their Allen Edmonds branded shoes are 14.92%, 14.92% off in honor of the year that Columbus sailed over here to the New World. So check it out online at allenedmonds.com. I also want to kick off the show like we do, folks, every single week here on Next on the TNS by saluting the brave men and women serving in our military. We want to thank all of you for your daily sacrifices and what you do for every one of us every single day to keep us safe. We also want to thank our veterans for all you've done for us over the years. We truly appreciate everything that our military personnel do to preserve our freedoms and our liberties. It's through your strength and your efforts that our way of life is even possible. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and the wonderful folks over at the Armed Forces Radio Network. It's an honor for us to have Next on the TV a part of your network. You can find our show by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. And I also want to remind our veterans, be sure to check out globalvoiceforveterans.org. It's a great site with news and articles and a wealth of information specifically designed for our veterans out there that I'm sure you're going to find both interesting and beneficial. Again, go to globalvoiceforveterans.org. And we also want to give a shout-out to our friend and new partner, PGA Tour Pro Jim Estes and the great folks over at the Salute Military Golf Association. You guys are absolutely fantastic and doing such wonderful things. I want you to hear a message from them. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. 
Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S., If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Great stuff from Jim Estes and the folks over there at the Salute Military Golf Association. Can't say enough great things for what they are doing. Like Jim said, check them out online at smga.org. All right, now joining me on the Seymour Putters guest line is Cindy Miller. Let me give you some more background on Cindy. She's from Dunkirk, New York, which is about 45 miles southwest of Buffalo, which means it's about to start snowing up there any minute, I'm sure. And help, you know, and she helps give, you know, instant clarity to why perhaps she was a walk-on golfer at the University of Miami. There, there she became an All-American in her senior year. She served as team captain and helped her team win back-to-back national championships in 1977 and 78. She qualified for the LPGA Tour in 1979. She played on tour for a few years before she met her husband, PGA Tour or uh, yeah, PGA Tour pro Alan uh, Alan Miller. She later devoted her time to being an instructor and became one of the best at it. She was named LPGA Teacher of the Year in 2010, and Golf Digest named her as one of the top 50 women teachers in America. She was a contestant on two of the Golf Channel's Big Break seasons, the Big Break 3 Ladies Only and the Big Break 7 Reunion. She's also published several books. She currently competes on the LPGA Legends Tour, and I am very excited to say that I, that she is with me here and next on the tee this morning. Good morning, Cindy. Thank you for joining me. Good morning, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Cindy, I, I, want, I want to go all the way back. Let's start at the beginning. You know, when you first decided, you know, that you know, golf was going to be something for you, when did that happen, and who put the golf club in your hand for the first time? My parents were members of the country club, and I was dragged to the pool every weekend. And I got a little chubby in my adolescence years, and I everybody started calling me Ten Ton Tessie. <laughs> mm. So I, I quickly found an aversion to the pool and thought, well, if I've got to be at the golf course, I guess I'll go play golf. And I started to play and got serious about it when I was about 15, and when I was 17, my mom and her friends took me to an LPGA Tour event in um, Buffalo, and it was there that the, I caught the bug. I immediately thought, wow, I want to do this. I saw these beautiful golf shoes and golf swings and <laughs> golf bags and clothes, and Laura Ball was my inspiration. That's fantastic. So. I, what what makes you leave upstate New York to be a walk-on all the way down at the University of Miami and become a part of their golf team? Did you really just ask that question? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought, but I wanted to confirm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. Um, well, I'm, I, I, I wasn't good enough to be on the team, and I wrote to the school and the head coach, Norm Parsons, God bless him, he – 
he said, you know what, you're really not good enough to be on our team, but if you've got the courage to come down here and try, we're going to let you try. And I did. And my dad told me, if you don't get a scholarship after the first year, you can't go back because it's too expensive. And I um, I got a full ride my last three years, and I qualified to play on the team, and the rest is history. So I must really thank Norm Parsons for sticking and keeping to his word because without him, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, as I was doing the research on you, Cindy, I mean, you had a 14 handicap at the time, and I think the other girls on the team that were playing at the University of Miami were fives or less. And, and I'm curious, you know, based on the letter and all that sort of thing, to your point, if Norm had politely said, you know, no to your request to try out, does, does your life go in a completely different direction, or would you just, you know, walked on somewhere else and played college golf and things might have stayed the same for you? You know, I'm not sure, but I had written – as funny as it seems, when you when the dream's big enough, the facts don't count, I don't think. Um, I wrote to Golf Digest magazine and the Ben Hogan Company, and I asked them where colleges were that had women's golf teams. And they actually wrote back to me, snail mail, and the only two schools I remember on the list were Odessa Junior College in Texas and the University of Miami. And I, you know, being from Buffalo, Texas didn't sound appealing to me, but the University of Miami, better known as Suntan U, truly did. I think if Norm <laughs> would have said no, I probably would have sought another avenue, but yeah. I'm so grateful that he didn't and that I was able to have that experience because it truly helped me move. I mean, it changed my whole life. And I read while you were down there, Bob Toski actually became one of your mentors. Talk about how you met up with Bob and what he instilled in you. Well, you know, it's funny. He was teaching at a public driving range, kind of like we're doing now, and and he would have all these big high rollers and, you know, business people come down from New York City and pay him all this money to take lessons, and I would just sit and listen. And it's funny, when you're really hungry, you become a sponge, and you soak up all the information. And, and our junior year, Nationals was going to be in Hawaii. And I was always fluctuating between the fifth and sixth player on the team. And my mission was to make it to Hawaii. You know, who doesn't want a free trip to Hawaii to represent right. the college team? So I, I had a little meeting with Bob Toski, and I said, you know, I would really, I really want to make the team, but I don't have enough money to pay you. Can I help around the range? and do whatever I need to, and will you give me lessons? And he said, absolutely. And sometimes I think you wow. have to have the courage to reach out. And it's funny because I did qualify to be in the top five to go to Hawaii, and in a week before we were ready to leave, my dad happened to pass away. When I got back to Buffalo, my dad was in intensive care, and he was in a coma, and it was so sad because I just, it was like, you know, the warrior was coming back to the king to say, I got the prize. You know, I won the battle and I'm going to play. And, and when I told him that, he just kind of squeezed my hand like, I'm not here, but I'm here and I know that you did it. And I'm so proud of you. Um, so it's it's funny. You have to, you have to be, you have to want something bad enough that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get it. And I guess that's what I would like to instill in my students, you know. And it doesn't matter if you if you just want to break 100 or 
you know, you want to get the ball in the air. Golf is hard, but you have to be willing to put in the effort and and have the courage to fail. So. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's it's interesting. You know, we we talk a lot on this show, Cindy, about the mental side of the game. And and looking over your website, there are you know a lot of what you teach resol- revolves around you know the mental side of the game. And we talk about that subject so often because you know it, you know as we heard from Bobby Jones to Ben Crenshaw to everybody, you know, so much of the game is in that five inch space between our ears. And 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 Norm Parsons once called you like a mental motivator, even back then and said, you know, you would just not accept failure as an option. Talk about, you know, that and how you instill that in your students now. Again, I've never met anyone who's tried to miss it on purpose, you know, whether it be a ball or their life, you know. Um, No one is born and says, oh, I want to murder people and become a drug addict and rot in jail. So there's always a why behind the what. And it's funny, I'm teaching today, and I've got a young girl who's a junior in college or a junior in high school wanting to play golf in college. And, and, and talking to her this morning, I think she's afraid of failing. And moms and dads put so much pressure on their kids to be everything to everybody. And you just can't do that. You've got to find your own path and figure out what is it that you want, what are your skills and talents, what do you need to learn, and are you okay with it? And if you're not, if you get that ucky yucky feeling in your tummy, something's not right, and you have to pay attention to it. It's just it's. Alan and I are totally opposites. My husband, he played in the Masters five times, and he was on three Walker Cup teams, uh, or two Walker Cup teams, and uh, a World Cup team. And he was the star that was recruited by everybody, and and I was the underdog who was a walk on. And his dad, you know, put so much pressure on him to perform, you know, he ended up drinking for Liquid Courage on tour. And once we went from being, you know, having dinner at Bob Hope's house to teaching golf at a public driving range in Buffalo, New York, I mean, the pressure got to him and and he tried to commit suicide because he thought it was a total failure. So, I mean, this is a really big deal to us to make sure that you're okay with who you are and what you're doing and where you're going. And it's more than a game. It's like, how do you live your life, really? Yeah, and that's that's an that's an amazing story because you know, looking you know at your husband's career, and you know, he was a, quite an accomplished golfer on the PGA Tour. He won the nineteen seventy four Tallahassee Open. He had eighteen top ten finishes, tied for fifteenth at you know one of the greatest Masters of all time in nineteen seventy five when Nicholas outdoored Wise, you know, outdoored uh, Weisskopf and Miller. So. Uh, it's interesting, you know, that that kind of pressure from from a parent could, you know, could lead a guy who had so much talent and was really an accomplished player to get down that path. How did he overcome that? Well, you know what? He figured out that it, all the voices that he was listening to in his head, you know, they weren't really the truth. And and that was a conversation I had an hour ago with, you know, this young girl. I said. You know, mom and dad can't live your life for you. You have to live your life. And so I just, it's near and dear to our heart that people realize that, you know, I believe they happen to be a gift from God and that, you know, everybody's here for a reason. 
And there are certain things that you're good at. Everybody gets to be good at something. And so it's the mission to find out what you're good at and then be happy with that path. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You know, you got to hit balls. you got to practice. But there's a path and a plan, and, and you can produce. And, you know, I wanted to be a tour star. I wanted to be, you know, Julie Inkster and Nancy Lopez. Well, that wasn't what I was supposed to be. You know, I was, I'm fortunate that I get to play with them now on the Legends Tour once in a while, but, you know, I'm not a superstar. But I help normal people be better, and I love doing it. And, and to that to that point, Cindy, when 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 you've got a new student that's getting introduced to you, and you know, as you mentioned, the word path. I mean, we all have a different path to success. We all learn differently. How do you go about trying to you know size up a student, help that person, and figure out the best way to get the best out of them? Well, you know, it's funny because once when Alan and I were going through all our struggles, I went to a seminar and the woman was talking about how her husband drove her nuts. So, of course, I sat up and paid attention, right? I'm like, oh, I like this woman. And she wrote a book called Personality Plus. Her name is Florence Wittower. So, of course, I bought the book, read the book, took the test for me, took the test for Alan, and read off all of his weaknesses to him. And then it was a delayed intelligence attack, and I thought, wow, you can't help yourself. I thought you acted like this on purpose just to drive me crazy. And that wasn't the case. It was what who who he is. So I'm more like Suzanne Patterson and Tiger Woods, and he's more like uh, Ernie Els and Jason Duffner. And and we clash. But again, I fall in love with his strengths. Which once you marry them, now they become weaknesses, and you point them out to him. Well, I want to get certified. <laughs> yeah. So the long story of it is, I want to get certified in this behaviors. So I am now a certified behavior, motivation, judgment, and emotional intelligence specialist. I also, when my students come in, I give them an assessment on how do they learn. Are they audio, visual, or kinesthetic? So each person, I want to know who they are. It doesn't matter who I am. I have to teach them in their language. So it's very important that not only I know who they are, but they know who they are. So... We do this with college teams. We do this with corporations. You know, I've got corporate training things I do for Microsoft, Merck, Yates Insurance, the Hartford. People need to know who they are. And once they understand that and their strengths and weaknesses and what they need to work on, everybody gets along better. Number one, you get along with yourself better. And number two, you get along with everybody you work with better. And once the elephant gets exposed, it almost becomes a joke. So we can laugh at it instead of want to kill people. Mm-hmm. So, so when you, that's what I do with students. So when when your students have success, now I mean lear, learning, you know, having seen what your husband went through as a young person, and you know how you know you developed, and watching your students, how do you know? Do you take? Do you take? I have to take a step back and look at you know, look at them. So you don't. You're not that now. The parent putting a bunch of pressure on them. How do you make the game fun for them? So it's it's not a pressure packed. You know, high expectations and oh my goodness, I failed to do this or that. How do you make it fun for them? Oh, definitely. I'm U.S. Kids certified. So that and I'm Titleist Performance Fitness and Junior certified. So that's number one. Is it's got to be fun. And we do, you know, water balloon fights. We do obstacle courses. We do tic-tac-toe putting. We we do big break challenges. We do all kinds of stuff that's fun. But what they know 
without a doubt, is that we love them and what they shoot has nothing to do with who they are. And again, we've never met anyone who's tried to miss it on purpose. So if they're really serious about it, we ask them, okay, why did that happen? It's okay if you make bad swings. He or she who misses it best without getting ticked wins. But you (laughs) need to know yourself, you know, did I miss that because I wasn't comfortable? Did I miss that because I didn't pay attention to what I was doing? Did I make a bad decision? Was I not committed to the decision? You can see that on, on the PGA and LPGA Tour. You can tell when people back off. You know, they're not sure. Watch Keegan Bradley. You know, it, it, he makes you nervous watching him. You know, watch <laughs> Tiger at his best. It's like he's a laser-driven maniac. You know, you can really see who someone is if you just watch them. So we we try to make it fun. Uh, we've got parents that I've said, look, if you don't stop, I'm going to duct tape your mouth. You're going to make your kid crazy. I've got a seven-year-old little girl that I teach who plays in the U.S. Kids Golf Tournament, and the final tournament of the year, she shot 30 for nine holes. Wow. 30. Yeah. Now, her father, they got new clubs for that are a little bit long. I want her to start working on the new clubs. I want her to hit it further. I'm like, whoa, they're too big. They're too heavy. Tell me what your fear is. You already have the best seven-year-old player in the Northeast. What are you afraid of, Dad? Right. Because she can feel your fear. You need to stop. Yeah. So I'm the protector, the advocate. We both, yeah. you know, Alan and I both are. Because, again, we're the only married couple in the world that have played on the PGA Tour, the LPGA Tour, the Champions Tour, and the Legends Tour. So we know our expertise comes in playing this game for a living. And right. we know what it can do for you, to you, and for you. Right. So wherever you want to go, we have been. And to that so point, we share our experience. For for our listeners, you know, um, who are going to head out to the golf course, you know, later today, you know, tomorrow, whenever, what what are a couple of things, you know, that you can help us with in our minds, you know, get to get our minds right as we face adversity on the course, whether it's either you walk up and you got a bad lie or you've just, you know, you just had a bad hole and you're trying to get your mind right for the next hole. What are some things that we can keep in mind to help us, help us improve while we're already out there? Well, what I would say is, number one, each shot is a new challenge. And and what are you doing out there? Are you trying to shoot a score? Are you trying to hit it better? Are you trying to be more consistent? Most people just want to be more consistent. Well, the definition of consistent is doing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. So let's pay attention to what you're doing. And let's pay attention to what you want. You know, do you want to just hit it better? You could probably take half swing from tee boxes that, you know, you should be playing from and break 90 or shoot 90 with just a half swing. You know, people say, oh, i got to hit my driver better. Well, maybe you just need to hit it straighter. Maybe you don't need to hit your driver. So I think it's perspective. Yeah. You know, let's just stop and think about what are you really thinking about? And you're probably trying way too hard and you don't need to do everything you think you need to do. Mm-hmm. It's easier than you think. They're simple solutions. Cindy, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to be a part of the show. Let our listeners know how can they follow you both online and over social media to get the most out of their games. 
Well, thanks, Chris. This has been a pleasure to be on your show. Um, my Twitter handle is at Cindy Miller Golf. My website is CindyMillerGolf.com. My email is Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com if you have any questions. And I'm on Facebook at Cindy Miller Golf. And LinkedIn is Cindy Miller. So I thank you so much for having me, and I would love to hear from anybody who has any questions about anything. That's great. Cindy, thank you so much for all of that. You're fantastic. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime. There's so many questions that I'd love to love to get your perspective on because uh, you're great. Well, thanks, Chris. It's been a pleasure, and I'll be back anytime you want me. I appreciate that. Cindy, take care. All the best to you, Alan, and the rest of your family. I look forward to the opportunity to catch up with you again soon. Thanks, Chris. Have a great day. All right. You too, Cindy. That's LPGA Pro and Top 50 instructor Cindy Miller. Great stuff. Holy cow. I can't believe the story about her, you know, her husband Alan and what he you know, came, you know, overcame and the things that she was able to do and oh, great tips in there. Look forward to getting Cindy back on the show real soon. All right, we're going to get to our next guest, David Meltzer, on the other side of this station identification. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. Heard around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Now back with me on the Seymour Putters guest line is Sports One Marketing CEO and best-selling author David Meltzer. David's book is Connected to Goodness, Manifest Everything You Desire in Business and in Life, and it continues to fly off the shelves at bookstores around the country and on Amazon.com. He is positively impacting people's lives all over the world through his company, Sports One Marketing, and his partnership with Pro Bowl Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. His site, MeltzerMission.com, has a wonderful positive message for us every single day, so I highly encourage everyone to go check it out and sign up for the daily inspirational message. It helps you sort of get your day off in the right frame of mind to start with MeltzerMission.com, again, is the name of that site. He is one of the most inspirational guys you're ever going to talk to or hear speak, so I'm so glad he's back with me and next on the tee this morning. Good morning, Dave. How are you, my friend? Hey, good morning, Chris. How are you? Ah, fantastic. Thank you. Sorry, Dave, I, I want to start off this morning getting your thoughts on the uh, 2015 golf season. It, it was sort of the spring and summer of, you know, watching and hoping Jordan Spieth could actually pull off winning the Grand Slam, and he thrilled us right up to, you know, the 18th hole there at the Open Championship. Then it sort of became the, the late summer of Jason Day getting the monkey off his back at the PGA Championship and then reeling off a string of, you know, dominating victories there for a while until Jordan again, you know, regained it at the, you know, the Tour Championship. And, and I know you and, and, and your company do a lot with Nike Golf, so I'm sure Rory's going to be back on the top of his game when the calendar turns to, to 2016, but I wanted to get your thoughts on 2015 and then what you're looking forward to in the 2016 golf season. You know, I'd just like to start off with something that everyone's missing in golf, and, and that's this uh, ever-impeding problem uh, uh, with uh, concussions and violence. Uh, as you know, you know, this President's Cup just started off with a huge fight, and these guys are, you know, have this unbelievable you know, residue, these old golfers from all the concussions that, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was that was hockey. That was hockey. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, you know, it's just amazing because I'm looking at this uh, golf season, uh, 2015, and I don't know how it's not more popular than the NFL. Uh, you know, and it's, it's an amazing sport. Uh, you know, as a parent who, and, I, and I'm a football lover, right? I played college football. You know, I, I look at my kids and, and I try not to push them to do things they don't want to do. But 
I, I just think what a profession. You know, I'm watching these great young golfers, like you said, Spieth and Day and Fowler and, you know, Dustin Johnson and Zach. I mean, it, it, the list goes on and on. And then I look at that unbelievable finish with the, these great talents, and they're, and, and they're doing it in different ways. I mean, you have, you know, from the long hitters and then all the way to these skill players like Jordan Spieth that has proven that you don't have to pound the ball like Bubba Watson to, to, to win and be the, you know, $22 million to walk around the most beautiful places on earth and get cheered by the most, you know, the highest net wealth individuals on earth uh, and put onto a pedestal. You know, I, I just don't know why you would want to play two and a half years in the NFL and come out not knowing your name or, you know, skating around a rink and fighting people. It's just, uh, <laughs> as a sports guy, I, you know, I'm, I'm just so excited about golf. And if we look at last season, I think we're making the transformation from Tiger. And and that's what 2000 and uh, this last season, uh, 2015, uh, represented. It's the transformation from Tiger. You have Rory, and and don't think he's gone anywhere. And you know we 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 are. We do work with Under Armour. We work with TaylorMade, and we do work with Nike Golf. So uh, we'll take anybody's money um, and help as many people <laughs> as we can with it. <laughs> uh, uh, but but I think it's great, right? Because you have all the brands, uh, you know, un- unlike uh, the official sponsors of the NFL. Once again, in golf, you know, head to toe, these guys are race cars now, and we have right. every brand represented. And I am so excited for next year, uh, you know. And and it's not just the young guys, right? Every once in a while, we saw you know th- these great legends of golf pop up in, in the top five and and be competitive and. You know, it's, you know, whether it was um, couples or whoever it was uh, late in the season, I'm drawing a blank on my my boy's name with Legacy uh, that came up late. Uh, You know, 52-year-old, you can help me out. But, uh, you know, it's it's just a great game. It's been a great season. And I think with these big companies behind it, Under Armour, Nike, TaylorMade, uh, we're going to see a lot more publicity awareness. Uh, and next season really is going to be the turning point. And uh, God help golf if Tiger Woods makes a comeback because you will see money, ratings, and uh, a lot of energy and excitement uh, with or without him. But if he comes back, uh, it'll be amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely it will. And it's interesting, Dave, because you talk about, you know, working with all of the different brands. And, you know, professional athletes now are really their own brand, right? they got to develop, you know, their own brand and, and market themselves. And they've got companies like, you know, like yours to help them do that. But, you know, it, it, it may not be more true that a guy is his own brand than it is in golf because it's an individual game. It's not really a team game outside of the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup years. But, you know, talk about the hidden pressures that you see that athletes face and how careful they have to be not to make a mistake, particularly, you know, you know in this social media world where, you know, if you press send, sometimes you really wish you hadn't. Yeah, you know, it's it's a repository. It's a global ubiquitous repository of data. And unfortunately, when we press send or, or upload or whatever it is, it's there for good. Um, and it goes viral very, very quickly. And that is representative of you and your brand, no matter if you play a team sport or an individual sport. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a, a very difficult thing to come back from. 
Um, although you, you can take accountability and learn and people are forgiving. Uh, but we have to be protective of the brands um, because it can cost you a, a lot of money and, and a lot of influence. And we really want to be careful. And that's what we do at Sports One Marketing is preventative marketing. Uh, you know, it, it's a little different than, than a lot of people is that we actually uh, pre-think and because of the years that I was with Lee Steinberg and then with Warren having, you know, more years in sports than, than most humans uh, and being so hyper-intelligent, uh, you know, we really look beyond today and, and help build a brand by creating organic, authentic, positive ideas, building a legacy by giving back and you know, we, we we're very careful uh, with our corporations and athletes and those relationships tied into charitable events by utilizing the right people and the right ideas. And that's why we've been so successful now for almost six years, Warren and I, of building some of the world's best brands uh, and helping uh, so many people and raising so much money. Dave, do you find that golfers have different outlooks, you know, on life and their careers than the athletes that you're dealing with in in other sports? No doubt. So, you know, what I was joking about at the beginning of the of the show uh, is, is very. Um, it's a, it's a conscious belief of these golfers, right? I'm going. You know, it, a football player has a a misbelief, for example, in hockey players and even baseball players that they're going to play forever, and. You know, even with injuries, you can see you can play literally f- forever um, and, and make re- really good money without concussions or fights or, or any of these other things. Uh, you know, look at the numbers, it, let's say the top 20 to 25. So if you're the 25th best golfer in the world, uh, if you're the 25th, right, you know, you, imagine if you're the 25th best quarterback, you're, you're sitting on the bench half the time. But if you're the 25th best uh, golfer, you're making unbelievable money from the time you're 21 or 22 until now, you know, the, the way things are going with the championship tours and the legends tours, it may go till about 75, which is a longer career than a lawyer or a doctor or an insurance <laughs> salesman. <laughs> right. Um, and, and you're doing what those guys like to do on the weekend. Uh, so they, they know, uh, you know, they see they see that, and especially the young guys uh, with people like Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus and how they've built their own brands uh, and owned their own networks and, and done stuff like that. Th- these guys are, are hyper, hyper competitive, intelligent, and they're very conscious about, uh, I, I don't always necessarily have to be the best golfer in the world in order to have an amazing career and amazing life. Now, if you're lucky enough to be Spieth Day, you know, Johnson, whoever, uh, these guys even take it to the next level. And uh, they do have some great guidance, uh, not only externally with marketing companies like ours, but internally, you know, within the sport with great legends who have done, you know, I'm just uh, so amazed. You know, I think Arnold Palmer and Jack and Tom Watson and Couples and these guys have really, you know, and there's many more, have taken the young golfers under their wings and taught them how to build not only their brands, but the brand of the PGA. And, Dave, a couple more before we let you go. One, I I know you've got some upcoming speeches at California State and San Diego State. When you're talking to college students, what do you want them to walk away with from your time speaking to them? You know, that's a great question. I have one purpose. I walk in, and the first question that I ask is, who here thinks it's competitive to work in sports? 
you know, who thinks it's a possibility, who thinks it's a probability, who thinks it's their reality. And, you know, even further at some schools, it just goes in high schools when I speak there, I ask them who thinks it's possible to go to college, who thinks it's probable, and who thinks it's a reality. And you'd be shocked, especially in our inner cities with at-risk children, you know, how few of them think it's even possible. And the same holds true in our great universities, that how many think they're possible they can work in, in sports. And what I do is tell them within 50 minutes, I'm going to change any possibility to a probability into your perspective. And so my main objective is to teach them in 50 minutes how to make any conscious belief or dream a reality. And in, in most cases, that's, you know, working in sports or sports technology or negotiation or, you know, the variety of different things that I speak uh, at a corporate level and get paid for. Uh, I, I always volunteer when I go down to any city to speak at the schools uh, surrounding the paid speeches. So I, I leverage, you know, that expense and revenue generation uh, with helping out and empowering our youth to understand they can do whatever they want. They can make a lot of money help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun and follow their passion and dreams. That's awesome. Dave, you and, uh, and former Chargers and Vikings defensive back Ben Siglin, our good friend, you guys are doing a, uh, a radio show together. Tell our listeners how they can check it out. Yeah, it's uh, on AM 830. It's the Angels Radio. Uh, we are going to uh, start uh, syndicating that show, I think, in 2016. Uh, but it's called uh, Street Cred with DNV. We have some unbelievable guests like Marshall Falk and Sterling Sharp and uh, just amazing Hall of Famers, Sean Green, uh, a lot of our Thursday Night Tailgate uh, people that, that are involved. But uh, Vinci and I uh, deal basically with uh, some straight-out street talk. Vinci has that perspective of playing in the league, what the locker room, the sidelines, what, what real football's about, and he's not shy about telling the truth in an entertaining way. And I have the more uh, sports agent, dorky lawyer, businessman approach. Uh, but <laughs> And we're not afraid to throw a few zingers at each other, and our guests aren't afraid to make fun of us either. So uh, we, we have a, a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully it will continue. Uh, but more importantly, too, I really love still my favorite show, and they can quote me, put it on anywhere. Uh, that Thursday night tailgate show of, of yours, Chris, is incredible. Uh, we're going to be doing it at the Pro Bowl. And, of course, the golf golf show, and I love the platform of Arms Forces Radio. We're doing more and more uh, with all four branches of the military, especially in education, uh, both with Beating the Odds Foundation as well as a company called Schmoop, S-H-M-O-O-P, where we have uh, testing for not only the ASVAB in the military, but you know, GED, and then also uh, the upper stuff like SAT, ACT, and even AP courses. So we have about 10 million kids a day on there. Uh, so I highly encourage people to go to Schmoop as well uh, on this Arms Forces Radio Network. That's uh, great stuff. Thank you for sharing that, Dave. And before we let you go, let our listeners know where else besides California State and San Diego State you're going to be that they can come check you out and, uh, and hear you speak. You know, I'm, I feel like a golfer uh, with all these just little plugs and endorsements. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> but I, I uh, you know, I, I, did, I just got back from uh, the National High School Basketball Association in Atlanta. I was the keynote speaker there at, at Popeyes. Uh, I'm going to be at Long Beach State, UCLA, uh, and then on the corporate side, speaking down in Dallas uh, at L'Oreal this week, um, going to India the first week. Uh, in uh, December, I just found out, 
uh, to speak wow. over there, which will be quite a treat. Um, but uh, you can go to the you know MeltzerMission.com. I, I do about 10, 10 dates at least a month uh, on the Inspirational Aspirational Speaking Tour. It's been going extremely well. And once again, Chris, I'm just so grateful that you've given me a platform to help build that brand, to help empower people, to empower other people to be happy. So thank you. There you go. Dave, thanks so much for taking time out of your morning to be a part of the show again this month. Always look forward to talking with you. And like you say, we get to do it every week on the football side on uh, on Thursday night tailgate. And I always look forward to doing it again here every month on Next on the T. I, I can't thank you enough for uh, for your partnership and everything you've done for us. And uh, certainly look forward to catching up with you again uh, next week. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Take care, Dave. That's David Meltzer again, MeltzerMission.com, and uh, you know it's such a great way to get your day kicked off in the right way. Such great inspirational stuff on there. I can't recommend it enough, and his book is called Connected to Goodness, so check it out. You can find it on Amazon as well. All right, before we get to our next guest, Sean McKeel, who's uh, going to join us here in just a moment, let's hear this word from our friends over at the French Lick Resort. You just can't beat this weather. The leaves are starting to change. It's the perfect time to get away to French Lick Resort and play the courses the champions play. This year, the Pete Dye course at French Lick has hosted the Senior PGA Championship and the legends of the LPGA Championship. Play our Donald Ross course and feel like 1924 PGA champion Walter Hagen. Fall is the perfect time to play the courses the champions play at French Lick Resort. Book our Hall of Fame package now at FrenchLick.com. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, heard around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Now back with me to answer more of your questions on the Seymour Putters guest line is our good friend and 2003 PGA champion, Sean McKeel. Hey, Sean, how have you been, my friend? Hi, Chris. Good morning. How are you? Ah, fantastic. Thank you. Sean, I, I, I want to start today by getting your thoughts. You know, I, I, I got to find out. Your, your boy is at Indiana. Almost pulled off the upset against Ohio State last week. How excited were you watching that? And you know, uh, you know, ultimately almost got it done. Yeah, it was too bad there at the very end. But you know, much like last year, um, the quarterback, you know, Nate Sudfeld, he got he got injured last year, and he missed probably the last two thirds of the season um, after uh, you know having surgery, and then uh, he gets injured again in this game. And, um, you know, they played pretty well. But, look, I mean, that Ezekiel Elliott is a monster. And what, he rushed for 274 yards right. or something like that. So that was really the, uh, I guess, the key to, to, to winning for Ohio State. They, you know, they've not played that well in the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, it's ultimately, I guess, just about winning the game. But I was disappointed. I was disappointed that the last play – Kind of just got a bad snap and and uh, really was no no chance to to get that ball completed in the end zone. But look, we've yeah. we've shown Kevin's doing a good job up there, and um, we're exciting. We're we're a good team to watch. Uh, put up some points. Now our defense needs to you know step up a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I was I was happy they had an opportunity. Look, they're I guess they're four and one now, right. so uh, they've not been to a bowl game in a number of years, and I think uh, they've got a couple couple bright spots, a uh, couple W's, uh, you know, in their in their schedule coming up that that uh, should give them a little push into a into a bowl game. But I mean, I look all the teams. I mean, just to be in a bowl game, I know there's a lot of bowl there's a lot of bowls now, but but uh, morale and everything like that. So I'm happy for them. I, I'd love to get up for a game um, 
some time, and um, I think they maybe had their first sellout in a, in a while up there in Bloomington. So uh, it was it was yeah. it was good to watch, and of course disappointing in the end. But uh, they put it they put it on them. Yeah, no, I mean they gave you know, Ohio yeah. State everything they you know everything they wanted and more. And to your point, it's got to be an exciting time at uh, for Indiana football. Something that you know they haven't been this good in, in in quite a while. So I think you know I think you got a lot to look forward to, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to find yourself in a bowl game at the end of the season. Yeah, I hope so. I'd I'd, I'd love to see it. They they des- they deserve it. Sean, I also, you know, talking you know, on the golf side, you know, want to get your take on the 2015 golf season. Obviously, Jordan Spieth had a magical season. And can you believe $22 million in earnings this season for Jordan Spieth? Can, are you, when you look back, you know, over the evolution, and obviously, you know, we owe, we, we owe a lot through history, right, with Arnold Palmer, who, you know, got yeah. golf sort of on the world map, to Jack Nicklaus, to, to Tiger Woods getting, you know, this amount of money in the game. But are you amazed that, you know, a guy could win $22 million on the golf tour this year? <laughs> well, I don't know. I think they needed to do something, the tour I'm speaking of. Um, you look at any of the other sports, um, and even Commissioner Fincham is not on par with, with – you know, the commissioners of other sports. Now I understand that there's a kind of a totem pole and, you know, Roger Goodell making $45 million a year, uh, you know, um, NFL is probably the biggest, biggest game in town. But um, I think the tour felt like a couple of years ago that they needed to, um, you know, have their number one. I mean, look, he, Jordan won the money list and he made $12 million. Now he did get the $10 million bonus. So I guess that's all right. counted in there. But here's the number one player in the world, you know, best player in our sport. And, um, you know, he's reaping the rewards off the golf course, but, but many athletes do that too. So, and they, and they, baseball pitchers are making 20, 25 million guaranteed, you know, uh, a lot of things. Um, so these guys that are playing well and represent the sport the way that they do, they deserve to get paid. And, uh, it was good to see. I mean, Jordan had an extremely, it was just an incredible year. Um, the consistency, I know he's a little, you know, disappointed with a couple of the, first two events in the playoffs but you know there's a lot of pressure leading up to it and um you know the desire to win the fedex cup and just not getting off to a great star but it's i guess it comes down to how you finish but um it was a great year for golf um a lot to be made of the big three the new big three and um right. you know the the how just how young the the age of the tour is the average age of the tour um and where it is um you know these guys will be around for a lo- for a long time, and uh, the PJ Tour needed it. Golf needed it. Um, so much has been, so many eggs have been kind of put in the basket with with Phil and and Tiger and those and those two guys that um, um, you know they're entering the twilight of their career, and um, so the Tour needed this. Needed these guys to step forward and um, bring a younger crowd. Uh, younger fan base to the tour. I think they've done that. So when you look ahead to the 2016 season, and it's interesting, right, with the wraparound season now, the 2016 season I think starts next week at the Fry Open. So yeah. you know, it's like you know, there's there is no downtime really, and I'm you know, but when you look at the 2016 season, it, it, does does something need to change? You know, if if you were you know if you had you know the commissioner's ears, there's something you would you would tell him like, hey, you know, hey, things are going great. But I think we should do this. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't. I don't know how many people are really wild about the wraparound schedule. Um, you know, look, we're we're all kind of we all got used to starting in January. 
the one thing that the tour does is, um, you know, starting uh, in the fall, they're kind of going heads head to head with with college football and NFL football. So maybe there's a few things they could do, um, you know, maybe play, you know, maybe finish on Monday and Tuesday. I think that's kind of been brought up, and I don't know. We still want to see the fans. I call it the fans in the stands. It's not yeah. uh, it's not represented very well when you when you have a, a tournament on TV and nobody's out there. Uh, you see a lot of that the European tour, and it's all TV driven pretty much. I mean they've got a few events that that really um, you know have the have the fans that come, but for the most part it's it's just so tr- TV driven. Um, I don't know. I'm not I'm not really wild about the wraparound schedule either. I know that the that the uh, well, what's interesting to me, and, and 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 I'm not the first one to say this, that you know guys like Tiger and Phil, and there may have been a few other guys weren't really excited about having a, a lengthy year that really goes into the late fall. And I can't say that I don't, that I blame them, but you can't have, you can't have events like the fries in Vegas, um, Sanderson farms near my hometown, um, McGladry. You can't have a, have a sponsor that's being, being expected to put up three or $4 million a year, probably a little bit more than that for fall event, five or $6 million. And then not grant them full FedEx Cup points. Uh, you know, uh, the win doesn't get you into the Masters. You had you, so they had to they had to do something to change that. And so they had to basically make that the beginning of the season. And um, uh, I guess it doesn't really matter if that's the start of the year or the end of the year. Um, but I think that as these younger guys are coming to the forefront, I think you'll see the complaints. Um, about those types of things and from that uh, to playing in pro-ams and, uh, you know, because a lot of these guys, you know, they wanted to have the free money, which is at the end of the year, the tournaments in Asia um, that are part of the European tour, the ones that really pay the guaranteed money, you know, three, four hundred grand, if not more to Tiger getting a million or two to go to these events. I think that's really what they wanted. I mean, do they really want off time? I mean, Tiger was only playing 16 or 17 weeks a year in his heyday. Yeah, he played a few other events. Yeah, he played a few other events overseas. He played Dubai, where they're paying in two million dollars. He might have played. I don't think he ever played Qatar, but he played. You know, maybe UAE and Emirates. It's uh, those two two events over there. But anyway, I mean, so I think that these younger guys are not. You're not going to see the griping really about those types of things. But um, uh, the tours is is hanging in there. It's, it seems to be doing very well. There's a lot of interest. There's a lot of buzz you know, on social media, uh, which is good. And, uh, that's, that's good for the game. Sean, our first listener question this week is if you had one round of golf to play, where would it be? And is Oak Hill the obvious choice or does some other golf course hold a special place in your heart? Well, you know, what Oak Hill certainly is, is right up there. If it was my last place, um, golly, you think of the, just, you know, I mentioned how much I enjoy playing at St. Andrews. Right. Um, I've played, played so many great courses. I mean, Medina, I mean, um, you know, Pebble Beach is probably, would probably be something because it's, uh, just the scenery, um, you know, the, the history there, um, just really everything about the town and, and everything. I think I would probably... You know that'd be up there as well. It's hard to really pick one. I mean, you know, I guess it depends on who I'm playing with. You know, if I'm playing with my with my father, who I've played with for my entire life, you know, I probably choose my home course. You know, which is Ridgeway Country Club. You know, it's a place where I grew up. 
um, it's the place that I know the best, um, where I have all my friends, my dad's, you know, his, his group he played with for 35, 40 years is there. Um, so although some might assume that, and I might pick, pick a course that I mentioned, Oak Hill, Medina, Pebble Beach, St. Andrews, I would probably opt to play for Ridgeway, play Ridgeway Country Club. It's just, uh, it's where I, it's, it's where I really learned the game. And, um, you know, so I think that's, that's pretty obvious in my mind. Okay. Our next question is, did you like playing with guys who talked while you were out there walking on the golf course, or did you, or did you more prefer to be quiet and focus on your own game? I, th- I think a little bit of both. I mean, um, there can be too much chatter. Um, you know, some of the guys, they, they you, you see that they have a little bit of nervous nervousness in them, and look, we're all nervous out there, and we all kind of uh, do different things. Some people may chew gum. Some people... But, you know, we do walk slower, walk faster. Some people talk. Lee Trevino was one of those guys, I think. Yeah. They just enjoyed uh, you know, conversing. But um, I was always pretty quiet. I think in the majority of my career when I felt like I was playing my best. Um, over the years, I think I've I've changed a little bit more. I've gotten a little bit more kind of a chatty Kathy. Um, you know, Kenny Perry once called me the the mayor. I think he gave me the nickname the mayor because I'd come down and I would just talk to everybody on the range and shake hands and everything. So I think maybe some of that, maybe when I started to realize that, that maybe my career was starting to trend in the wrong direction, that I decided that it, it uh, was time to really be friendly. I, I don't know. Um, but no, I, en- I, enjoy guy- I enjoy playing with guys that talk. It can be a little bit too much. Um you know, if you're you're having a conversation about something, it's one thing, but to hear a guy just chirping about, you know, that's the wrong club or this course isn't set up well, it just he just needs to be talking. I don't I don't like that. But but um I enjoy I enjoy being out there. It's a it's a it's a great game. It's played at a pace that allows for that. And ultimately, uh unlike most of the other sports, I, I guess I am playing against my playing competitors, but I'm really playing against the golf course. And uh so I think those are the differences really in the game of golf. You don't have to I mean look, I played with guys, Greg Norman was one, um, you know, Tiger was one, that they wouldn't say a word to you the entire day. They might say good shot, um, you know, but they were so in tune with what they were doing. Um that they I mean, I remember playing with Greg at the international. Uh this this goes back a long time. This is probably around two thousand, might have been yeah, right around there. And um we were walking up the eighth fairway, and he was way ahead. It was a two ball, probably. I think it was on Saturday. And Tony Navarro was back caddying, who I've gotten to know pretty well. And um, you know, he's his longtime caddy. And Greg turned around and yelled down the down the fairway. He goes, "Hey, t- you know, get up here, type of thing. Uh, quit talking. To, quit talking." And uh, so Tony was walked up there, and Tony was always. Um, I always feel like their personalities really conflicted. I mean, Tony's a great caddy and a, and a great guy. Loves to talk, but, but but Greg was not was not one to talk. Or at least he wasn't one to talk to me. Uh, I was a young <laughs> kid out there learning to play the game, and, and there is believe me, there's a lot of that out there um, that goes on. Um, you know, but uh, it was a little unsettling at the beginning. But there's there's guys like that that I never really enjoyed playing with. Um, hmm. So I guess I would have to say, you know. You know, I do enjoy a little bit of conversation. Um, you know, when it, when it's the right time, I guess. But yeah, um, and and as you, you mentioned, know. Trevino, did you ever did you ever play with Lee? I didn't. No, no, I didn't. Um, 
But, you know, growing up at Colonial Country Club, which I lived on the fourth green of the south course, and for anybody that's listening, that's the golf course where Al Guyberger shot 59. So I lived on the fourth green of the south course, and every year when they had the Danny Thomas Memphis Classic, you know, I would go up there on the fourth green, and I would, I would, I basically would shuttle between the fourth green and the fifth tee. They were all about 20 yards apart. So I would watch guys hit into the green, and I would watch, you know, then I'd go watch them hit their tee shots on five. Um, and so, yeah, I watched Lee Trevino come in, and all the old guys, I mean, just, you know, J.C. Sneed and, you know, all the guys, Jerry Pate, it's all these guys that Mike Holbrook, so many of them, um, so I never really spent any time around Lee, and I've I've only probably been around him several times. Um, you know, I think with his, you know, he's been off the tour for a long time. He's he's, you know, I think Lee's got to be in his mid seventies by now. So I've never really been around him, um, but certainly know a lot about him. That's and uh, he was he was a heck of a heck of a player and uh, had a great sense of humor and uh, played the gay game with a lot of you know enthusiasm and. Uh, you know, had a little bit of confidence. He certainly believed in what he was doing. But to see a guy and to, to, to see where he had come from, um, it's amazing to me that guys can make it to that level. And uh, so he's a pretty special man. Our next question is, who are some of the celebrities from or other athletes from other sports that you played with that were pretty darn good golfers? Oh, I played with John Smoltz. Probably is probably the best. Um, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, Roger Clemens was a pretty good golfer. I played with him. I played with him several times. Uh, most of the guys that I played with, um, you know, were involved in a charity event somewhere. Um, I did play in the Bob Hope and was lucky enough to be in that celebrity rotation for a number of years. Um, so I've been paired with musicians and, um, you know, Yogi Berra, since he just passed, really is um, someone I got paired with three times and I uh, really enjoyed being out with him. But for the most part, um, I, you know, well, I think, you know, Marcus Allen was a pretty good golfer too. And, and uh, I played with him a couple of times, but um, John Smoltz is probably the best. Um, you know, these guys are able to transition um, from sport to sport, you know, pretty easily. You know, a lot of the baseball players are really good golfers. I think some of the hockey players are good golfers. Um, but, um, you know, like I said, when you play in the Bob Hope, these guys are out having a good time and, and uh, not really focused too much on their games. But there's a few of them out there. Our next question is, what was your strategy during stroke play events? Are you playing the course or are you watching your what your opponent does to decide what you're going to do with your next shot? Well, I think that comes that comes at the end uh, if you're in contention to win win a golf tournament. And uh, but for the most part, I think in the uh, you you you're just out there when you start on day one. I mean, first of all, I think you have to size up the golf course. You know, look at the conditions of the day. I mean, what type of day is it? Is it a golf course that you can attack? Um, so those are really some of the obvious things. Um, then you have to assess really how you're playing. Are you just kind of getting it around? Um, are you playing well? Are you putting well? Um, you know, it, it's you don't really play the match play scenario till till the very end. Um, there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, like I said earlier, you know, you're playing the golf course and you're playing yourself, and 
everything else. I don't really care what somebody else is doing. If I see a guy that's going off and he's making, you know, he's made three or four birdies in a row, um, then I may be thinking to myself, either I need to play a little bit more aggressively or I'm just maybe I'm just not putting well that day. It's hard to say. But you can learn a lot about your game and, and the state of your game from watching somebody else. Um, but no, no match play at all until until you know until the very end. Our next question is: What piece of advice did someone give you that you've never forgotten? Stay off the driving range. Um, is that right? I've never, I've never forgotten it, and I only listened to it for a little while. So, <laughs> you know, my coach, <laughs> yeah. My my coach from college, um, Sam Carmichael, who played the tour in the 70s and is, is about to be inducted uh, on November 6th into the Indiana University Hall of Fame, um, he told me that. He told me to stay off the range. You know, I was younger. All I did was play golf. I, of course, you know, you got to hit balls to warm up. And, you know, the one thing that he told me when I was in college before I made my transition into professional golf was to stay off the range. And it's it it wasn't so much about um, you know hitting a few balls or or not not maybe working on some of the things that uh, maybe it's a drill or two that you're wanting to work on or and I'm the obvious to warm up. He was just advising me to stay off at, you know two three hour sessions and spend more time on the golf course. And again, I think for the most part I did that for a while. But the, when you when you make the when you make the jump to professional golf, you're basically playing against all the best players, um, at least when you get to the PGA Tour you are. And so you walk down the range and you're playing with a guy and you like you like maybe a motion in the swing and you get over there, oh, I'd like to maybe do that. And it's it's deadly to do that. Um, but that was the piece of advice that, that really, really sticks out. Um, and I listened to it for a while and then and I've not I've not been so great with that piece of advice. But um, for all the people listening, I think it's important to get out there and play and hit shots. You, you look, you see it with Tiger. They talk about it all the time, but he looks like he's not playing the game. He's playing golf swing. And when you when you find yourself just kind of living out on the driving range, um, you know, you're working on things. You may see guys with alignment rods that got, you know, got shafts stuck in outside their right foot, keeping their hips, whatever the heck they're working on. <laughs> You know, um, my wife likes to call me Tin Cup because there was a time in my life that I was I'd go to these these golf training sites and I'd have three or four training aids sent to me at once <laughs> to fix this out of the other. And she saw me one day and she started calling me Tin Cup, and uh, <laughs> oh, it, it's sad. It really is. It's, it's comedic, but it's it's really sad. It. Um, because the golf is, is a, it's a tactile game, it's a mental game, it's a feel game. It's like, you know, it's like see and react. And, I, you know, look, you have to grip the club. There, there are certain ways. There are fundamentals. The fundamentals of the game are always the same. It's a pretty good, solid grip. Doesn't have to be perfect. You know, the the alignment and the shoulders and those types of things that are really the foundation of the golf swing. Um, those things are are at the top of the list for things to work on when you go to the range. But when you're starting to, you know, try to emulate somebody else's golf swing, that's that's uh, when you can find yourself in a lot of trouble. But uh, it's a crazy game, and there have been a lot of people. I, 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 you know, I think of ways to, you know, training aids that I could try to design and develop and um 
I've not uh I'm not been too fortunate with that. So um I it's just it's just funny. And my wife she just calls me Tin Cup, so uh <laughs> good funny. and bad. But staying off the range is definitely you know, that's something that, that I'll never forget. Our next question is, Sean, in, in a pro-am, has anyone ever played so poorly that you pulled them aside and gave them a golf lesson because they were that bad? Yeah, there's a lot of bad golf in the pro-ams. But you know what? These guys don't do what I do. Um, you know, I, I, I kinda, I, I'm kind of i there, and usually at the very beginning. I'm, I'm not one to um, give any unsolicited advice in the pro-am just because I want the guys or the ladies to enjoy their day. If I give them a piece of advice on the first or second hole, they're going to spend the rest of the 16 or 17 holes trying to figure out how to improve on what I just told them. Now, if you're working on a putting stroke or something like that, something that's pretty basic, maybe it's just alignment, that's one thing. But to give someone a swing thought, uh, it's probably not the best best idea. Um, so usually I kind of take a step back and, and I basically just give a general statement saying, hey, look, I'm happy to help anybody with the advice. You know, I want everybody to have a great time today, um, so I'm not going to just offer something, but um, and we can work on it afterwards or whatever. So I've, I've not ever done that. But, I mean, I've I've been hit by my playing partners. I got hit once at the BC no. Open. Um, you know, yeah, and, um, uh, you know, but – Hey, you, you see it all, and um, I've always enjoyed the pro-ams. I've always enjoyed meeting meeting people and, and stuff like that, but I've seen some, some really bad golf. Um, heck, I've played some bad golf, too, so um, <laughs> it's just it's just enjoyable. There's one and there's one kind of story about playing the pro-am. I, I was playing, and uh, it really has nothing to do with the uh, you know technique or aspect of playing golf, but just something that was really funny because a friend of mine brought it up the other day is that um, I, I was playing at Pebble Beach. It was the first day we were playing at Poppy Hills. And I had, the pairings had come out, you know, a day or two before. And I saw that I was being paired with Jim Kelly. And so, uh, oh, because I was in the celebrity rotation. It was maybe a year or two after I won the PGA. So I was in that rotation. But I noticed he was from Louisville, Kentucky. And I thought, oh, I can't be the same guy, but it's got, but it's got to be. And anyway, I, I was watching this guy hit balls. And I'd commented to my caddy, he's really struggling. And um, and uh, my caddy said something as well. You know, he was topping him. He missed it a few times. And my caddy kind of said, you know, you're probably going to be playing with that guy today. And I said, no, I'm playing with Jim Kelly. And um, we never saw the Jim Kelly that we were thinking of on the range. Well, anyway, we get down there, get to the tee and off. And it's, I'm happy I'm playing with this guy. And... Uh, I said, hey, you know, nice to meet you. You know, kind of what do you do? And he says, oh, I'm I'm chairman and CEO of UPS, And uh, which was funny. I said, well, you may not want to play with me because my father was one of the very first hired by FedEx. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had a UPS guy, and, and he ran a UPS, and, and me being a FedEx guy, and he, he kind of gave me a dirty look in the beginning, and then we kind of moved forward. <laughs> but it was kind of funny. So, So did you ever see Jim Kelly? I never saw Jim Kelly, but uh, we had a great time. Jim and I from from Louisville, Louisville Jim, as I called, and we uh, we had a great time. And uh, it was a great man, and and uh, uh, it was just kind of just kind of a funny story. <laughs> so, Sean, as you look ahead, you know, to you know your career and you know, and going forward, do you, um, 
The next question is, are you already qualified to play on the Champions Tour, or do you have to do something in order to make it out there? Well, that's a really good question, because I was just in Virginia Beach doing an outing with uh, a bunch of senior guys, um, you know, Guy Burroughs and Skip Kendall, and Todd Hamilton's turning 50 here in eight days. I'm looking at my watch. Is that right? For some reason, the 18th of October, I guess because I just heard it from him, but um yeah here here's here's how it stands at this point now, i've talked to someone at the at the champions tour uh from the pj tour and this is how it kind of works at least in my case there are there are you know so many different categories but all-time money right now is is um is where it is i would probably be okay for all-time money right now with a little over nine and a half million, about nine and a half million dollars if i was on the champions tour right now but i'm not and so by the time three years rolls around, the career money, I'll be, you know, because as these guys earn money, the career money just keeps going up. Even on the Champions Tour, that money accounts. <clears throat> so although I do have a PGA win, which is a major championship, and that does count for more points than a regular tour win, I think my major counts for three points. A regular tour event counts for one point. Even though I have three points, I don't qualify for the multi-win category, which is two wins or more, because I only have one win. Even though, even though my major counts for more points than two wins, I don't, I'm not on there. So, like Todd Hamilton, for example, has probably made just a little, maybe a, he's made about half as much money as I have in career money, um, a little bit more than half, but um, he's got two wins. So. Um, people may look at that as being a little funny. You look at me, I've got one win, and I've got more career money than Jack Nicholas, and he's got 72 wins or something like that. So that's <laughs> right. kind of how all that that's kind of how all that works. What's really hurt me is just really the last seven years. When I when I had my shoulder surgery in 08, I basically only had I, I had one good comeback year in 2010, but I've had really not hardly any earnings. I mean, a little bit in in seven or eight years, and I'm at a little over nine, not quite nine and a half million. And I haven't hardly made any money in seven years. So that's really hurt me. Um, but, you know, there's nothing I can do about that right now. But there's there's a process in place. They're, they're, they're thinking about um, uh, making all-time wins, trying to figure out a way to combine, uh, maybe prorate, prorate the money. I mean, even the money now compared to when I was playing in you know, six, seven years ago is leaps and bounds more. I mean, right. uh, you look at the numbers of guys that have won over a million and a half dollars on the tour, and it's probably like the top 50 or 60 guys have already won over a million and a half. Um, you know, I finished 31st or 32nd on the money list in 03, and I only made 1.8. So wow. that tells you 32nd on the money list now is probably about over two and a half. So the money's gone up quite a bit. But, um you know, there's going to be some changes. I think they're looking at maybe cuts made, uh, prorating the value of the money, um, all-time wins. They may go to just to an all-time wins category. If they do that, then they they may they may give they may weigh the majors a little bit more. It's I'm in an unusual situation. I, I do admit that uh, it's unfortunate for me, really, that uh, I wasn't able to capitalize on a couple of the events prior to the 2003 PGA, um, but. I didn't know that back then. I was disappointed with not winning more uh, or winning any until the PGA, and I still assumed that I was going to win beyond that. It just hadn't happened. And then with the injuries and, and those types of things, it really hurt me. 
um, as far as looking at the Champions Tour. However, I, you know, I'll, uh, I'm exempt. Uh, I'm exempt for the Senior PGA. I'm exempt for the Senior British. I'm exempt for the U.S. Senior Open. There might be one or two other ones that I'm exempt for based on my win. Um, you know, there's exemptions and stuff there that there may be a possibility. Um, and again, in the next three years, they may change that. Um, you know, may change the, the. They may give. They may weigh the the major uh, more heavily. I just don't. I just don't really know. And as I said, I'm a. I'm in a unique situation in that a major championship is my only victory. Now I've won other places around the world, but as far as on the PJ Tour and where it really matters, um, you know, I've only won that one. So that hurts a little bit. But I'm always exempt for the PGA Championship. Um, and soon I'm, I'm exempt on the. I'm, I'm exempt on the on the Champions Tour in Europe. Um, you know, for winning a major, but I'm not for, um, you know, for the, uh, for the champions tour and, hmm. uh, you know, Neil Lancaster and I'll, and I'll, and I'll end this question here in a second, but Neil Lancaster ran into commissioner Fincham a couple of years ago at a web.com event. He was just trying to want to play a little bit. And, uh, he, uh, he told commissioner Fincham, he's like, look, you know, here I am. I've played in over 600 and I think he said 650, 620 events on the PJ tour made over 450 cuts. And how am I not exempt on the tour on the champions tour? And people look at that and say, well, it's the champions tour. You didn't win, but it's really about what you've done to provide and support the PJ tour. I mean, you don't have to be a ticket seller um, to, to really earn your way under the PJ tour. There, there are only so many superstars that can go around. For the rest of us, we make up the, the majority of the PGA Tour, and, you know, we provide a lot of value, a lot of entertainment um, to the fans as well. So um, I, I understand that people want superstars, uh, but not everybody can be one. And I don't think the Champions Tour was started with that in mind. It, it seems to be trending in that direction. But um, um, so, I'll you know, when I get there, I'll worry about it. But uh, my, you know, like I said, I know those events. I'll be exempt. I can. I'll be exempt to the finals of their tour school if I go there. I can do the Monday qualifiers. Um, you know, so as it stands right now, I'm not fully exempt. Like Todd Hamilton gets two years. Starts October 18th, and he gets two years from that day to play because he's got two wins. So um, for me, unless I can find another way to win, that's uh, that's gonna, or unless they change something, that's gonna happen to me. I'm gonna be at, you know, just a limited. Limited starts, probably. And and I think it's important to point out, and you mentioned it a moment ago, Sean. You won elsewhere. Remind our listeners where else you had wins. Well, I mean, I you know I've I've won uh, I won another I won an Asian major championship in uh, in Singapore, the Singapore Open, which which was uh, you know I think that was 1998. Um, guys like Carlos Franco, I mean Todd Hamilton, Brant Jove, I mean all these guys, you know, were were, were playing these events. Um, and that was really kind of before I got my PJ Tour career started. I won, you know, I won a lot of tournaments on the mini tours and things like that when I first started playing. But um, you know, those are those are things really to get the wins to to kind of propel you on to to bigger and better things. And um, you know, certainly the win, the loss at, at the BC Open when I had a three shot lead in the last day, um, and not you know I, I bogeyed the last two holes. Um, to finish third, although 18, I needed to make a birdie, so that's what I tried to do. But um, it was disappointing. I lost to a really good friend of mine, Spike McCoy, who doesn't play anymore, I don't think. Um, 
but yeah, some of those things were kind of disappointed. But but you know, I won the, I won the Web dot com event in, in Greensboro at Sedgefield, and um, you know, I hadn't played a whole lot on the Web dot com tour. Um, I think I finished ninth on the money list that year. But uh, anyway, there's uh, you know, there's been a lot of other places that I've won, and 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 places I should have won but didn't. So. Um, Anyway, I'm, I'm excited about the prospects of being, becoming 50. I'm um, not really ready to rush rush through my life quite yet. I'm still enjoying my kids. I mean, I'm not enjoying the experiences in golf right now at all. I'm not having a whole lot of fun with that. I My wheels seem to be spinning a little bit. I don't have anything really to look forward to. Uh, much like this year before the PGA, I had a lot of opportunities that were there that I knew I was going to get in a few events. And then, you know, post-PGA Championship, the only thing I'm, I'm, I've got to really play in right now is uh, is I'm going to go to the Web.com Tour School in November. I'm going to go back to Houston and try to get back and try to make my way back onto the PGA Tour that way. So so I've been working hard, but uh, I'm certainly not having a lot of fun. Um, you know, as we we talked earlier, it's not a whole lot of fun to practice and, and spend time. It's it's when you do this game for a living um, – you know, you, you you want to be out there competing and, and, and playing against, you know, and playing for money and those types of things. But uh, I haven't I haven't done that in a while. So uh, I'm just kind of looking forward to to uh, the next few years and, and seeing if I can't get back on the PJ Tour. That's, that's kind of my goal. Absolutely, and I think that is exciting, though. The web, you know, web.com school in November is, uh, you know, I think that's an exciting thing, and, and we're, you know, obviously we're behind you, and I'm sure everyone listening in and, and the folks that have been submitting questions and, and following you on social media, I think that I think that's an exciting thing for your fans to know that you're going to be out there and plugging away at it, and I think they're going to all be in your corner. So I, I think that's an exciting yeah. thing. I'm looking forward to hearing about it that. It is. Well, it would, it would certainly be, uh, you know, it's not it's not the time to throw in a towel quite yet. You know, I mean, the future in golf, it comes to an end for everyone at some point, and, and sometimes it comes a little earlier for others. Um, you know, but for right now, you know, my, my, my goals are to try to figure out the way to get back onto the PGA Tour. Um, as I said earlier, you know, the tour has gotten so young. Um the advancement in technology, the, the fitness of the players, the mindset of the players. Um, when you've been out of the game, you know, at a high level like I have really for about the last year and a half or two years, it's hard to really kind of get back in that. Um, you know, when I was a young person playing, I would see guys that were got to be about my age and they would kind of fall off the tour. And, and I always would kind of think, well, what happened to those guys? Not that I really wanted to know. Because um, I never thought, well, that's not going to happen to me. And then you kind of see it. You know, you see uh, things change. You have some health issues or maybe you're just not playing well and you lose a lot of confidence. And as you age, things start to change. Your body changes. Your body feels different when it, when it gets up over the ball. It looks different. Things just look different. And I don't really know how else to explain it. But um, that's why there's a good future in the, in the Champions Tour, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm working hard towards that. And I think that's, uh, you know, Regardless of your age, I think you should always try to you try to have goals. And uh, I still want to compete and play. I mean, if I didn't want to play anymore, I would I'd shut it down and I would try to find something to do. Now I don't know what I would do, um, you know, but um, I still want to compete. So I'm out there every day practicing and uh, uh, trying to look towards the future. It's difficult because I don't see anything really there on the horizon. It's, it's you know just kind of standing out, but um, just trying to get better and trying to be more consistent and um, 
you know, those are the types of things I'm trying to do. Yeah, like I say, you know, you got you got the web.com thing coming up in in November, and you know, uh, the, certainly off in the horizon because you're you're uh, several years younger than I, but you've got you've got some time for the Champions Tour. But I think that's on the horizon, and and I think you know you've been so close this year in a number of events to to you know play yeah. on the weekend by a stroke here or there. And I think it's yeah. completely different. So I think you're going to be there. I, I got a lot of faith that uh, we're going to see a, you know a, a much better you know result for you in 2016. Yeah, well, I look forward to it. I, I do. I look forward to the challenges out there. I mean, there there have been many, but uh, hey, you know it's exciting to be able to share some of this information with your listeners. Uh, and uh, you know, so for right now, it's like I said, I'm just gonna I'm gonna enjoy my weekend down here in Florida with my kids and some friends. And, there you go. And uh, get back to work next week and. Uh, yeah. That's life great stuff. Sean, dad will continue. Before we let you go, remind our listeners one more time about how they can follow you online and over social media. Yeah, I'm at Sean McKeel on uh, PGA on Twitter, Sean McKeel on uh, on Facebook. And uh, I heard Cindy earlier. She's got a lot of things going. She's got websites and she's got everything else. <laughs> they may need to catch up to her, but. Uh, uh, I enjoy following people on social media. I haven't gotten a whole lot of questions. When we first started this series a number of months ago, I'd get a few questions, and, and I haven't gotten so many um, lately. So, um, But you can find me there, and I'm always happy to, to answer anything that your listeners may have for me. There you go. Sean, thanks again for taking time this week to be a part of the show. Always so much fun to get to talk with you. I uh, look forward to keeping it going. In the meantime, have fun with your family down in Florida, and all the best to you and them. We look forward to catching up with you again real soon. All right, Chris. Thanks so much. You guys have a great day. All right. All right you too. Take care, Sean. All right. Bye-bye. Sean McKeel. Again, you know, boy, you know what – and Sean sells himself short because he had, you know, he did some, some great things back in the early part of the 2000s, and he's so close, you know, this year in a couple of events, only missing out uh, playing the weekend by a stroke here or there. I know he's uh, he's going to have a lot better results when we look uh, we look back a year from now at what 2016 was. I think we're going to see a lot better results for Sean McKeel. Great guy, really love Sean. All right, folks, it's time for me to put a bow on this episode. Before we close up shop, you know I like to remind you about the book out there from our friends Dave Stockton Jr. and his father, Dave Stockton Sr. They have out there. It's called Own Your Game. Remember, folks, so much of the game is played. Like we talk about every single week, it seems like, on the show. Between that five-inch space between our ears, you got to get your mind right. And in this book, the Stocktons let you know how to use your mind to play winning golf Own Your Game recreates the experience of riding 18 holes with Dave Stockton at one of his highly sought-out corporate outings and draws from his experience as a champion player, both on the regular tour, then on the Champions Tour, and now as a revered coach by so many players. He shows you how to think better, stay calmer, and execute more consistently, and most importantly now, how to enjoy the game more thoroughly. Go to StocktonGolf.com to get your copy, and for a couple extra dollars, Mr. Stockton will even autograph it for you. All right, folks, my sincere thanks once again to Cindy Miller, David Meltzer, and Sean McKeel for joining me today and making today's show so much fun for me to be a part of. I hope you enjoyed it, too. We thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you guys the very most. We know you have so many options for shows to, you know, to listen to or to download and stream, and we appreciate that ours has been one of them. 
Please also check out our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me, my co-host, Bob Lazari, our announcer, Joe Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursdays from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find it in a number of places. It's on armedforcesradionetwork.org. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Boom, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio. We're everywhere. We get to talk with some of the greatest legends from the NFL every single week. We have several of them joining us every single week as part of the show. They share their stories and their insights for what they're seeing now on the playing field as well. So please check us out. You can find that show online at ThursdayNightTailgate.com. You can find this show at NextOnTheT.net. You can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free and keep up to date with who some of our future guests are going to be by looking online at either site. Thanks again, folks, for being a part of the show. We really appreciate it. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors, and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Saturday to hear more stories about the game we love from the people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf. Adding the choice of a crispy chicken BLT to Wendy's 4 for 4 is the biggest thing since rappers trying to sing. I got me out and I sound like a robot. But do you like the sound of this? Wendy's 4 for 4 now comes with a choice of a junior bacon cheeseburger or a crispy chicken BLT. From Detroit to Macon, I keep it crisp like bacon. Both are topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon and come with four nuggets, fries, and a Coke for just four bucks. Oh, yeah. At participating Wendy's for a limited time, meal includes small fries and a drink. Not valid in Alaska and Hawaii.